What's up, guys? You're listening to The Soundtrack, a podcast discussing film, television, and video game music with the fans, geeks, and super freaks. Hey, I hope everyone's had a great December. It's your host, Zach Demas. I got another great episode for you. I'm so excited about this one. Uh, This episode is going to be all about Star Wars, and um, it's going to be a little bit different than than the previous episodes have been. Usually I do the first part by myself, um, and then I bring in a special guest, but I'm going to actually have two guests... And uh, my first special guest is going to help me uh, discuss the main topic, uh, which is all the music of Star Wars, pretty much. Uh, A special episode since Rogue One came out uh, halfway through this month. And uh, so my friend, uh, a friend of mine, Alex Reed, is going to be on. A friend from high school. He's a screenwriter now. And uh, probably the biggest Star Wars fan I know. He knows even more about it than me. And he's very knowledgeable about the music, too. So I'm, I'm really excited um, to have him on. Um, and then my second guest is going to be uh, my friend Tim Valentine, who's coming to visit me. Um, he lives in Texas normally, but uh, one of my best friends, Tim Valentine, we go way back. Yeah, he's visiting, so uh, I figured I'd just have him on my show just so we can do some more geeking out about Star Wars because we grew up on that stuff, um, especially playing the, all the video games and stuff like that. So so uh, I'm, I'm really excited for this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I hope you guys are all big Star Wars fans too. This will be a, I think this will be a really good one. And I just want to make one more announcement really quick. Um, this podcast is now available on TuneIn. Uh, TuneIn.com, you'll, you'll find uh, the soundtrack in their directory, uh, in addition to Blueberry and uh, on my website and iTunes. So I'm, I'm working hard to try to get my podcast up in more uh, places for uh, your convenience. Uh, so hopefully TuneIn is another place where you like to get your podcasts. Uh, so I'm happy to announce that I'm on that website as well. So uh, happy listening. All right, so uh, on to the main topic of episode number six. Here we go. I'm really excited to have with me uh, for the main topic this time, as, as opposed to just being a special guest that comes on in the second half. Uh, I've got a very good friend of mine, Alex Reed, is on. And uh, it's it's nice to have a, a new guest on for, for a change. I've had kind of some repeats already, but it's nice to have... Uh, somebody new in the fold here. So uh, welcome, Alex. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Zach. And uh, hello, yeah. audience. Hello. Um, Alex is also a big uh, supporter of my podcast, so I appreciate uh, <laughs> yes. him coming in. and Subscribe in iTunes, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for... Thank <laughs> or wherever <laughs> you get your podcasts. Thanks for the plug. I'm working on more places. It's getting there. But uh, yeah, so um, Alex and I, have, like, we went to high school together, and uh, Alex has gone on to uh, CU Boulder first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep, for and then uh, Chapman University for grad uh, grad screenwriting. Screenwriting, mm-hmm. nice. So Alex is a great uh, screenwriter, uh, director, all that stuff, and also a, a huge Star Wars fan. So this, I'm really excited for this. This is going to be a fun uh, discussion here. So super um, fun. I was telling Zach, I've been looking forward to this for like days, and I've been listening <laughs> to my favorite Star Wars podcast like nonstop. Right. Uh, like at work, I'm like feeding papers into the shredder and just listening to Star Wars. Yeah, and just <laughs> f- feeling the hype for for the new stuff and all exactly. that. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, well, th- appreciate you coming in. I uh, want to give Alex a little bit of a plug first before we started talking about Star Wars because, uh, like I said, he's um, and he said he's a screenwriter and all that stuff. So he's got a couple of big projects. Uh, what uh, mm-hmm. What are you working on? Well, sure. The the first one I want to tell you about is a movie project called Deviant. And uh, back in school, I did a play called Bentathlon, and it was directed by me and then directed again by a good friend of mine uh, named Emmy Watkins. 
And uh, last year we had the opportunity because our friend Tom was building a film studio in Boulder. We had the idea to to make this play now called Deviant as a professional as a movie and with a real budget and everything and actors in the it's studio legit. space. Yeah, it's legit. So we shot the movie uh, last July, and we're looking for a release date sometime next year, which is when we'll start having premieres and uh, and submitting to film festivals and everything. And to follow us, you can look on Facebook and Instagram, which is at Deviant Movie. And also, it really helps if you check out our IMDb page, because the amount of views of our IMDb page is a good way for industry people to judge interest in a project. And it makes our project more likely to actually be sold next year. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Deviant, check that out. It's coming yeah. uh, relatively soon. And then you've, you're also working on some web series. You've, you've done a mm-hmm. little bit already, but now I th- you've got kind of a new web series uh, coming out. Yeah. The, this new project is called Unvented. It's with me and my friend Logan. And the premise is that we're roommates and Logan is a crazy inventor who comes up with all kinds of schemes and inventions to take care of uh, everyday problems. So we shot three episodes so far, and Zach is working on a theme song for us, actually. I am indeed. Yeah, and we're looking to release sometime uh, maybe a week from now. We're still debating about our release schedule and then to to sort of get a regular uh, cycle of production going into the next year. It's called Unvented. Unvented. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a... So it's kind of a comedy kind of sort of sci-fi-ish thing. Yeah, we you were kind the... of inspired by Rick and Morty, which is one of our favorite shows. So cool. it has that sort of madcap, mad scientist feel. I dig it. Well, Alex, it sounds great. Um, so let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about um, just general favorite Star Wars songs, uh, pieces of music from just throughout the franchise, everything that we've, uh, we've heard so far. And so- I should start out by saying that the Star Wars soundtracks were like my jam in middle school. <laughs> like I would just listen to them constantly over and over, like both the original trilogy scores and the prequel scores. So I got to know that music so well. And plus, in, in almost every Star Wars video game ever made features that music just over and over remixed in various ways. So you just hear it all the time. And I probably, I might have even listened to the soundtracks more than watched the movies, to be honest. So what would you say kind of, uh, I, I kind of tried to, you know, spread it out because it's easy to pick uh, all songs from like one movie because there's mm-hmm. like even from the first movie, all the that or those original themes are you know, classics, and they've been carried throughout uh, all the movies, even until now. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so I tried to kind of sp- spread it out, spread the love a little bit. But uh, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what. What do you think as far as like some of your favorite? Um, you have a list of like maybe five. I picked mm-hmm. five. Yeah, songs. I tried to spread it out too. Like I picked, uh, I picked two kind of slower, softer pieces and two more action pieces, and then my one uh, my one top piece is different. So okay. if we want to start... Uh, yeah, go ahead and share yours, and then mm-hmm. I'll... Uh... These these four are kind of in no particular order, but I'll just start with... Uh, my first pick is Across the Stars, which is the love theme from Attack of the Clones. And kind of, I mean, whatever you may think of the romance in Attack of the Clones, <laughs> the, yeah, the, the theme and the music for it is just magnificent. It's just a sweeping, epic love theme, and it's a and it works really well. It's just its own standalone piece of music. So I, I just think it's a gorgeous theme that even kind of transcends. Yeah, it kind of transcends what you see on screen. And it's great to see, um, you know, because John Williams did those first six episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, and a Force Awakens. And Force Awakens. So, uh, yeah, it's really great to that like 
to carry on that legacy. I'm, I'm glad he was able to carry on that legacy with even more memorable themes, even though we don't exactly remember the prequels as being something really special. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice that at least the music is still strong. And John Williams isn't necessarily one of my favorite composers, but that though the original music from the original movies, but also like being able to capitalize on that and to come up with more significant themes mm-hmm. especially like like you said like it's really not whatever your take on the uh, actual love story yeah. is <laughs> yeah from the original mm-hmm. one it's still it's still great music and i think at mm-hmm. least that at least he held up his end of the bargain oh he did <laughs> yeah and and uh at least for those first six episodes john williams tended to come up with one or two major memorable themes for each movie like how in empire strikes back you had the imperial march uh, for Phantom Menace, you had Duel of the Fates, and Across the Stars was sort of his major theme for Attack of the Clones. Right. So each episode kind of has its own its own memorable theme and musical signature. I think I've got something from... Uh, oh, no, it was actually uh, episode six, I was thinking. Um, I really like, for some reason, in episode six, that the Parade of the Ewoks and the, the Force Battle music kind of combined I guess yeah maybe it's more so parade of the Ewoks um mm-hmm. that's kind of an unusual first pick for me I guess but well um, you stole one of one of my picks was Forest battle concert suite okay yeah so we can talk about this for sure okay great um yeah it's uh it's just interesting how um like they, they sound very similar like he took that like I think John Williams took very similar um orchestration for those even though they were kind of different um the different pieces of music, different parts of the movie, um, still that same setting. So mm-hmm. I think the uh, there's a lot, a lot of the same language, a lot of the same material is used um, between those two sections. Yeah. So I think it's 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 very interesting how they kind of they kind of come together. There's a cohesion there yeah. in in that that section of the movie and that those two uh, those two themes, those two uh, you know passages. It's kind of uh, it's really interesting how. Uh, they fit together. So I think that's mm-hmm. a great, uh, and it's kind of understated too. It's a little bit uh, underrated as far as mm-hmm. the score goes, because there's a lot of, a lot of recognizable themes, a lot of uh, very popular themes. So, yeah. um, and actually you took, um, I think I had across the stars on my list as well. So um, yeah, so we're still stealing from <laughs> each other. It's probably good to just go. We'll go back and forth. <laughs> probably. We'll probably cover everything by the end of yeah. this. But, um, hey, I have some backup picks too. Okay, so great. I got, I got plenty to talk oh, okay. about. This guy, he came prepared. I <laughs> See, I told you, he's he's on top of his game, man. I gotta be, uh, I gotta watch out. But yeah, for, force battle. Anything to add about? Yeah. That one? Uh, the thing about, I think it's the, interesting to like from a from a filmmaker's perspective. From mm-hmm. what, like, what do you think about? Yeah, I was gonna talk more in general about the Return of the Jedi soundtrack because I think out of all of them, it, it deserves the reward for most epic soundtrack. Because John oh, Williams right. wrote okay. so much music for that movie, like the soundtrack album is actually longer than the movie, and it really yeah it that includes I did not know. yeah it includes music he wrote for deleted scenes and some sections were actually rescored like the battle at the sail barge, oh, and okay. uh, the force battle concert suite is actually a standalone piece of music that's taking some of the music from the battle of Endor and reorchestrating it so it would so it would stand on its own as a concert piece, and. Yeah, you can hear the arrangement is a little different in the the score version of this music. Uh, but I, I really lo- love those pieces, like the Ewok theme and the concert suite, because they're fast-paced, they're energetic, but they're also fun, too. Right. Just he fun does to a good, listen to. He, he, they're very... Um, 
Yeah, it is fun, isn't it? Like, that's what it all really comes down to, isn't it? Is that uh, the score, you know, even though it's underscore technically, it, it, John Williams is kind of living proof that the music doesn't necessarily have to take a back seat to the movie. It's part yeah. of the movie. So I think he really revolutionized the the, the film soundtrack and the film industry in that mm-hmm. regard. Yeah, the Star Wars movies give the music a lot of room to breathe, too. Like when you think about the way they do their their space shots with these big, grand, sweeping shots of of ships in space, and it leaves a lot of room for the music to make its own statement. Do Do you think he meant to do that kind of a, that that full symphonic suite? At was that his decision? Do you know for sure, or was that just kind of a? It probably was. That I know that. Like um, I know. I, th- I don't want to just go ahead and assume it's like a, a like a like a money making thing, but yeah. Um, I know I that um, that George Lucas personally produced uh, the very first score, A New Hope, uh, but I think after that, John Williams started producing it himself. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so I think it was just his decision to write some more music so he would have a good piece to perform in concert. That, that's kind of, that guy really goes above and beyond in that yeah. regard, so that's interesting. I'll have to check that out. I yeah. actually haven't heard that. Especially for Return of the Jedi, he really went above and beyond, like, it includes like background source music for the Ewok village and the tracks from Jabba's palace. It's such a broad palette wow. for that soundtrack. That's a mm. that's such a great movie too. I, I think I feel like mm. the movie in general is a little bit underrated. Everyone talks yeah. about like Episode Five, kind of. Mm. I'm my personal favorite episode uh, movie is Episode Four. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know what it, just being a classic movie. I think it's yeah the. Just the whole story is kind of, at least for that movie, is a little bit, it's more simple for, it's simple. for my for my brain to, to yeah. follow. It's the movie where if you want to, you can go back and watch it and forget about the whole Star Wars franchise and the fandom and everything right. yeah. and just watch it as a movie. Exactly. And it, just, it just, I agree. It's so simple and pure as a movie. All right, should we move to our next yeah. pick? Yeah, go for it. Uh, what do you got? Let's see. Uh since we kind of talked about uh, our action music, I'm going to go to a, my next sort of softer uh, pick. Okay. And that's a, it's a short piece. It's only about maybe a minute long. It's called Light of the Force. It's from the Return of the Jedi soundtrack. Oh, really? Uh, okay. This is the music that plays at the very end of the movie when Luke is burning Darth Vader's body. And, oh, right. Okay. And this is a good opportunity, actually, to talk about John Williams' themes for Star Wars. Okay. And uh, his use of leitmotif which is a concept I was introduced to through these soundtracks, actually. And uh, leitmotif is a, it's a, maybe you, you'd probably be able to explain this better than me. Leitmotif <laughs> is a technique invented by Wagner, uh, the famous German opera composer. And it's the technique of using a, a simple th- a melody uh, to represent uh, a character or a setting or a situation. Right, exactly. And then you repeat that theme throughout the score with different orchestrations. You play it fast or slow or soft or loud. Uh, different permutations throughout the, yeah. the movie, depending on the situation. Yeah, yeah. You, and John Williams, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, John Williams, like he didn't invent the technique to be sure. It was used in movies long before him, but I think he popularized it better than right. any composer I can think of. Exactly. Yeah, like you could probably go to the average person in the street and ask, "So, what's Darth Vader's theme?" And they would just give you da 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 da. Right. I so so easy, and I mm-hmm. think. Uh, the only the only composer to me that's that's rivaled that ability to uh, transform a theme like that is uh, Howard Shore with Lord of the Rings. To be honest, mm-hmm. uh, I think his uh, there's just certain, the, his, those themes are a little bit less recognizable. I don't know what it is mm-hmm. about 
I don't know if it's just because Lord of the Rings isn't quite as popular as Star Wars or just the fact that that music is a, it's a little bit more complex in terms certain yeah, things. It's more complex and he tends to use his his themes tend to represent larger ideas like he has a Shire theme and a Mordor theme. Right, the, in Star like, locations Wars, as opposed to yeah. characters. Maybe that's also yeah. part of it. In Star we Wars almost every character has a theme exactly. Right, okay. Um, so, yeah, and the reason I wanted to talk about this piece Light of the Force specifically is because it's my favorite rendition of one of my favorite John Williams themes, which is the Force theme. And kind of the most the most famous instance of this is in is in A New Hope. It's a piece called Binary Sunset when Luke is walking out and he looks at the twin sons of Tatooine and he's right. dreaming about light. That's a pretty and, iconic scene yeah. in itself. And the the scene and the theme is used throughout all of the movies to represent uh the power of the Force. And honestly, I think it gets a little overused as the scores go on, especially in the prequels. But uh the reason this is my favorite rendition is it's just so simple and and soft like it starts out it's just a, a single french horn just playing the theme and then the orchestra comes in and it pans up till you see the fighters in the sky and the fireworks it's just yeah. a lovely moment and it's a great piece of music on its own and for how it works with the images to bring the story to a close definitely that's very interesting uh, that's mm. a, a theme that maybe doesn't come to mind like an, an immediately kind of like, you know, Darth Vader's theme kind of does. Mm -hmm. And speaking about like Darth Vader's theme, uh, we, we, I think we were kind of talking about this before we, uh, st we, we were talking about how uh, like e there's a method to everything with John Williams and especially with Darth Vader's theme, how it's like, you know, the melody is basically just outlining like a major triad, like a major mm -hmm. chord. And, you know, we tend to think like happier, like, good good things about like major chords as opposed to minor yeah. so like the song's kind of in a minor key but the melody being outlined at being a, a major chord you know it uh, signifies you know Darth Vader is actually good inside there's still that the mm -hmm. goodness in him and so I think that there's a that's another thing about writing themes is you have to be very deliberate in what you're writing it's not mm -hmm. John Williams was really great at you know really digging into these characters and figuring out what, you know, that's mm. part of writing a theme is not just something catchy, but also something... Speaks to the character. Right. Like, what are they about? It says something about the character, mm. exactly. And, so. and the other thing about that piece is it it's the, technically called the Imperial March. So it's a march. It's right. meant to get you, like, all roused up and, like, ready for action. Yeah. So that it's, makes sense that it's major. Um, it's interesting, like when you when that as that theme goes through all the movies, because it's used um, mm -hmm. even up until uh, uh, up through Rogue One, it really sounds darker in certain places. Like yeah. it's not meant to be uh, like g sound good all the time. Like it's supposed to be like really foreboding mm -hmm. uh, throughout the movie. It's just the, the its applications different, but. Yeah. Um, even though the the original meeting may may still be there, it's like how it transforms through the movie can can maybe be used in darker ways, uh, more seriously, um, mm -hmm. because the in sometime in some certain ways, I think the Imperial March is kind of not the most evil sounding thing that you could because there's yeah. you know there's more ways of get drawing more tension and like anger yeah. and like evil. I mean, the Emperor's theme is evil, right? But the Imperial March. It's just, just awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Actually, one of the most brilliant uses of, of Darth Vader's theme in the Imperial March, uh, because you were talking about it being used in different ways, 
is in Darth Vader's death scene in Return of the Jedi, where the where it's played very softly and it's played almost mournfully. Like at the right. moment when Darth Vader actually dies, the theme is played on a harp, just dun, absolutely dun. dun. Yeah, yeah, it's so a, brilliant. Interesting how like even instruments, like certain orchestration, can play a huge part. That's why those music departments are so big, is because they like everybody, all these people collectively, um, have. I mean, you know, John Williams, the director, and whoever's directing, like this, the mm-hmm. it's their really their brainchild, I think. But there's all these people that you know probably have maybe some input as far as well. This, what if it was played on this? And yeah. you know, because that's that's the most interesting to me. Even working on your theme song right now for your web mm-hmm. series is figuring out like what are the right instruments to use. Because even like just mm-hmm. a certain palette is identifies with a certain movie, yeah. um, you know, and certain sound effects. I'm thinking of cartoons now, just like certain s- cartoons that like Ed Ed and Eddie. I don't know if you ever watched that, but mm-hmm. uh, certain sa- horn like the horns and that kind of thing that yeah. they use. Sort of like Arrested Development signature is yeah, the yeah. mandolin, right? Da, exactly. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, as as it applies to Star Wars, uh, one little piece of trivia is that. These scores are they're symphonic orchestral scores, right. and that was a deliberate choice made by George Lucas. In the 70s, a lot of sci-fi films were scored with electronic sounds, but George Lucas wanted wanted a sound that would ground the audience and the, the humanity of what was happening in the reality. And the only place I can think of that actually uses synthesizers in a Star Wars score is in The Empire Strikes Back in the scene in the cave, where it's it's a it's kind of a dreamlike vision scene. So it's kind of right. removed from reality. Right, right, right. And Darth Vader pops out of the cave and it's in slow motion and this synthesizer chord comes out of nowhere to illustrate kind right. of the unreality of what's happening. Ah, interesting. Uh, well, we've kind so, of straight off of our lists here. Man, he, he's all, we're all over the place. <laughs> yeah. and he's just, Alex is just nailing it uh, uh, so far. Let's hear, let's, what's your next do, pick? Do you want to hear something else? Well, yeah. let's kind of circle back to um, A New Hope now because we're kind of okay. already jumping all over the place anyway yeah um and then also jumping to cartoons and stuff that's my <laughs> fault um i really like uh the the ceremony music from uh the throne room the yeah. emperor's or from the end of a new hope were you um, about to say the emperor's throne room yeah I, I don't yeah i don't know <laughs> emperor's new group i don't know that's what I was yeah. <laughs> oh man I, we've talked about about that, it seems like that movie comes up in every podcast. I do. <laughs> yeah, first new group. <laughs> yeah, um, it was in the Disney one, and yeah, was in the, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the, the throne room yeah. music. Yeah, throne music. Um, the, something about that I really like, just because that's all music, right? Because yeah. there's nothing else going on. It's uh, and uh, oh, there was this the, hysterical the YouTube video, YouTube video <laughs> of these people who took the they took the music out of that scene and just dubbed in sound effects, and it's so horribly awkward. <laughs> you can hear people like coughing in the background. <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, what, that's um, what is it called? It's called uh, uh, Star Wars without Williams or something like that. Star Star Wars minus Williams. Yes, or something yes, like that's that. it. Uh, and the throne room. So I'll, I'll post a link. Um, uh, in the description, in the episode description. Yeah. When, uh, that, when I first saw that, it made me laugh embarrassingly loud in the <laughs> empty, silent library. It's just everything's overdubbed. And, and it yeah. really is true. The footsteps, everything about it, though, is just really immaculately, like, mm-hmm. pieced together. There's Yeah, they do, like, the sounds of, like, the leather jacket shifting. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, people coughing in the background. And then I think at one point you even kind of hear, like, 
when Leia smiles. Yeah, you hear her lips go like. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to do the sound. (laughs) I think. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. It's just this really weird things. All the attention to detail. I love it. I'll post a link for that so that you guys can see that. Uh, You'll love it. I promise. It's it's fantastic. But isn't it just amazing though? Like what a difference Mm -hmm. the music makes for a movie and. When you watch that scene obvious, in the movie, but... when you watch, you don't even think about it. Like you imagine, there's just some band somewhere off screen playing this. Yeah, but the, mm-hmm. the, you know they're probably they're filming this, and they're mm-hmm. you know it's probably totally silent. And yep. <laughs> it must have been really awkward for the acting, which is a testament to the actors that they you know mm-hmm. they, they bring it all together because you know they I mean they don't know what the final product is going to be. I they guess, don't know what so. the music's going to sound right. like. Yeah, so uh, they just have to do their thing and. Mm-hmm. It all comes together. But it, what a great, like, another iconic scene. There's just yeah. so many iconic scenes from those movies. Yeah, and that theme, uh, like, really, when you listen to that to that music, all it is, it's uh, it's the Force theme, but it's played in this martial, like, upbeat marching style. And then the, right. at the end, it introduces a unique throne room theme. Right. Uh, and which actually, uh, it's not used too often in the scores, but you can hear it, actually, in the end credits of Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. Which, at the time, there weren't any new Star Wars movies going to be made as far as anyone knew. So when John Williams wrote that suite, it was kind of a farewell to the whole Felt saga. Felt like closure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So he included the throne room theme as a way to loop it back to the very beginning right. of the first movie. I want to say something about that um, also in terms of like more of an analysis, like a true analysis, yeah. a composer's perspective. Um, there, it's. I think it's very interesting how that th- that music and the Star Wars main theme are similarly arranged for the orchestra and kind of orchestrated. There's um, the themes are kind of close together. They they kind of they sound the the melodies sound similar, but they also the way the the orchestra like the um, like the, the the orchestral response, like the response in the orchestra, like the uh, how it's f- uh, playing with the themes. So, so it's like yeah. you've got the statement of the theme, but then you also have the mm, dun, sort of dun, like yeah. Dun, Da, da, da. Sort of like, like how the very drums... rhythmic support, like the rhythmic support, is yeah. very much the same. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like when it does the force theme, it's like don boom don don da da don 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 don. Yeah, just that sort of counterpoint that's 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 happening. Um, it's really int- like taking the same ideas. It's really you just, it's like that music is like DNA. You just kind of morph it into something. You know, it's the the same elements are there. You just kind of morph it into something else. But I just think that's. Uh, very interesting and also just a, a great idea. It's it seems it, it seems like too obvious to do, but really when you do it, it makes it even that much more effective. Mm-hmm. So uh, just from a more like a composer kind of geeky musical perspective, I totally, guess. Yeah. Uh, there's there's things like that that uh, and all the themes kind of do that. Like like I said, you know, these themes get carried through the movies in different ways. So, um, but they generally have the same feel even if they may be stated with different instruments or uh stuff like that it, like there's those certain maybe rhythmic elements are kind of the same mm-hmm. for the most part not always it doesn't have to yeah. be it depends but this um, actually uh this is making me think of my next pick actually yeah and while we're on ep- episode four my next pick is it's a little piece called tie fighter attack and it's heard um <laughs> yes after after they escape the Death Star, and there's an action sequence where they're battling TIE fighters, and Han and Luke are in the turrets. Great kid, don't get cocky. Exactly. <laughs> and they even made a joke about this in Blue Harvest, 
Uh, oh, right. They're sitting in the turret, and <laughs> Peter's, like, doing the music. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the reason that joke works is the mu- the music is such a huge part of that scene, and, and I chose this because it's just quintessential yeah. Star Wars action music. Right. Like, the piece That's something, unlike the ending, uh, the throne room music, this is, like, during the movie. This is during the mm-hmm. heat of battle, too, kind of. Yep. Uh, but still, the music is... Uh, center stage kind of in this scene yeah. or, or alongside the, what's actually happening. Uh, it has a great build exactly. too. Like there are, right. like there's a minute where the, the, the TIE fighters are approaching but you can't see them and you hear the rumbles and the music is doing this dun, 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 yeah. this tense build up right. and then it just launches into action and what you hear mostly during this piece is the, the Rebel Alliance theme but it's done in just full force full right. blast that and i think yeah that's just one of the that's one of the highlights i think of all the soundtracks to be honest that mm-hmm. um i just love like, the rebel everything surrounding the rebels i just love everything surrounding the those original the original trilogy music not to say that mm-hmm. um the other the prequels and and the and force awakens and all that wasn't great mm-hmm. um which actually that brings me to my next pick but cool uh but yeah, just the, those. It's those types of scenes that, and that's when you first in that movie. That's, I don't know if that's the first like major action, but it's like that's like the first major space battle. That's the first chance you really get mm-hmm. a chance to understand like Tie Fighters, yeah. and that like that's like the staple of the Imperial forces, and. Yeah, there've been some shootouts in the movie before then, but yeah, this is the first space battle. But I mean like if you if you're seeing this in 1970 and and you weren't mm. sold before, like you are sold yeah. at watching that scene. I think that maybe is where like it just all you're like, "Wow, man, this is like yeah. crazy space battles and yeah. all that stuff." I don't know where it's a music podcast, but I could go on and on about the editing in that too and in the space battles oh, right. in A New Hope. Yeah. I appreciate your input on and anything outside of music that you want to you know sure. talk about too i guess if you want some editing trivia sure uh, the a new hope was actually edited by george lucas's wife marcia and uh lucas and and francis ford coppola they came out of this uh this filmmaking tradition in the 70s which was very radical revolutionary uh, that sought to to advance film as an art form so when you actually go and look at the editing in those battle scenes in a new hope it's much more chaotic than you'd expect uh like in, in that TIE fighter attack, they're cutting from the TIE fighter pilots. They're cutting to inside. They cut to the droids shaking around. They cut to Princess Leia in the cockpit, Han and Luke in the turrets. There are so many different lines of action. Right. And the movie keeps them all consistent and coherent, and you know what's going on. But almost just like that, very those exciting. Cuts, almost like those cuts go with the music in that, like, the music's up-tempo, so, like, the cu- like the editing, it's easy to follow, but it's... it. Uh, you still like the it's happening it seems to be happening yeah. in in time with the music like it mm-hmm. seems appropriate you're not focused on one thing for too long same as the music doesn't uh really s- stay static for too long it seems yeah. like there's every four measures or so there's like a new addition to the orchestra or some something changes mm. to like you know based on what's happening so yeah and i would imagine that john williams wrote the music to the rhythm of the cuts i but- yeah Probably. Yeah, the fact that those those cuts were so so dynamic and so exciting in the first place exactly. contributed yeah. to the that's, music. That's what I think. Yeah. Great. Uh, so, yeah, we haven't really talked about The Force Awakens, so I, I want to talk. There's not much that's too memorable from that. I, mm-hmm. I It's interesting to hear John Williams in a, in a later and more current movie. Yeah. Even, even if it is a Star Wars movie, it's, you know, it's nice to hear a John Williams score. 
it sounds a little bit different than in his previous scores, mm-hmm. I think, but still some some great stuff to come out of there. Boy, can you just imagine like like any other like kind of a modern movie uh with like John Williams music? Seems yeah. like there's so many composers kind of following this like kind of a cookie cutter mm-hmm. um not saying like the the great uh like the industry's industry's best composers probably like have they are able to find their own voice but there's a lot of composers trying to reach that point that kind of follow like i don't know like a typical like a formula as yeah. far as composing it seems like everything you use is like a lot of heavy percussion mm-hmm. and which is great but you know John Williams you know and the uh, I know that was mostly aesthetic choice too to even do the original movies with that kind of a full yeah, orchestra. Full orchestra. Um, but it's it's really interesting. It's hard to imagine like a, a a modern movie with John Williams music, especially since like his all of his inspiration. John Williams was really inspired by you know like Gustav Holst and the planets and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, if you haven't heard uh, the planets, that s- symphonic suite um, by uh, Gustav Holst. Uh, check that out because a lot there are a lot of similarities. I don't want to say like yeah. John Williams stole anything from those uh, pieces, but listen to like Mars, the Mars uh, movement yeah. in particular, because there's a lot of similar, at least rhythmic stuff that's happening and like kind of chord chordal things. Yeah, and the planets has basically been been the touchstone for every epic space opera score you've probably ever heard. Like even the Star Trek composers right. used it as inspiration. Like, nothing wrong um, with that nothing yeah wrong with that actually um, it's great music so mm-hmm. why not on the next generation if i'm allowed to talk about star trek and a star wars podcast <laughs> but on the next generation there were two main composers hired at the start of the series and they later learned that both of them had individually looked to the planets for inspiration uh huh. as for their battle and action music it's just both of them came to the same conclusion independently right. so and I'm sure John Williams helped with that because he set the template in a lot of ways for. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's great to even carry on that music too, not to let that sort of you know fade out. You know, it's still important mm-hmm. in terms of history, musical history in the first place. So you know, it's great that that music still has you know purpose. You yeah, know? it's it's great that that traditions kind of you know carried on, but. Uh, so what uh, what Force Awakens piece did you want to talk about? Yeah, um, so I really actually do like Ray's theme. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the standout pieces from, from that from that movie because it's um, uh, it it sounds like it's not developed fully. Like, yeah. does, does that make sense? Like, because I feel like Ray, we don't know everything there is to know about Ray yet. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that theme. I don't know how to say a calming influence, but she's uh, more, she's level-headed. She's level-headed, yeah. She's very level-headed. So, like, the very, the theme is, her theme is very steady, but it's also not very, um, uh... There's also something searching about it, something, because yeah. she's searching for her past. She's searching for a way off the planet. It seems distant. Like, there's, yeah. there dun, seems dun, to dun, be dun, some distance. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. Um... And I just, I really like it, and it, it sounds different. Like, it still sounds very much like it embodies Star Wars, but it's just another new thing. It's just an... It's the kind of theme where it may not jump out at you, but there's still something familiar about it. Right, Like, exactly. oh, I feel like I've heard that before, like in the score. And yeah, On the Force totally. Awakens score more generally, but I actually listened to it for the first time uh, for this podcast, because when I watched the movie, the score didn't really jump out at me. 
And just as a listening experience, I honest, I found it a little underwhelming, to be honest. But I don't think I blame John Williams for that. I blame no, the, no, no, the no. movie. Because right. the, the movie is edited and just constructed so differently from the other Star Wars movies. Exactly, yeah. The, the action is so frenetic that there's not a lot of space for the music to breathe. So, there, like I talked to before about how the the old Star Wars movies gave the music a lot of space to breathe, like right. in these epic space shots. And The exactly. Force Awakens isn't like that. With its, It has a different rhythm. I don't know so. if that's just because more films tend to go that direction generally anyway. Or yeah, if that it, was... It could be a J.J. Abrams particular style. It could just be the style of blockbuster filmmaking today. But it's, it's just different. But Ray's theme definitely, I think, is the standout piece of that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's important because I think she's definitely an important character. So mm-hmm. good good for them for having another solid theme. I got a couple more. We Well, let's talk about yours then. Okay. Uh, uh, we've actually talked about all of mine except number one. Oh, great. Um, well, I just want to give a quick nod... Uh, to the uh, Cantina band. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I know well, that's not it's, number it's one. It's very Zach style music. <laughs> it is um, that kind of a jazz based mm. um, style. And but actually, it's the um, uh, the the second Cantina song. Everyone knows the the first one, obviously. Yeah, I like the second. It's one. called. Um, I found out what the name. Those each of those tunes have a name. Uh, the second one is called Dune Sea Special. Oh really? Yeah, they have names according to this is on Wikipedia. <laughs> Man, that's a, on on my version of the soundtrack. It's just Cantina Band number one and number two. Right. But maybe he he had names for them originally. Yeah, it's I have that's here great. Dune Sea Special and then. Uh, uh, the original Cantina song that everybody knows is called uh, Mad About Me, apparently. <laughs> okay. Hey, I learned something. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I taught Alex Reed something. The Cantina band, uh, it's fun music because, for one, uh, one of the things that we we don't really know watching Star Wars today is how uh, is all of the the brave creative choices that were made back in 1977. Right. And... Uh, and the thing about it was a sci-fi movie, so you kind of come expecting to see monsters and aliens. Yeah. So audiences at the time, you see robots, droids, humans, but you don't really see aliens until that scene in the Mos Eisley Cantina, where suddenly, oh, right. here's a bunch of aliens, but they're not—they're not attacking people. They're hanging out at a bar. Yeah, it's just casual. Yeah. Like- it's one of those. This fun, quirky, creative choices that we we don't appreciate as much today because it right. doesn't look as weird to us. But uh, at right. the time, and and the and having a bunch of aliens standing around playing jazz was also <laughs> something yeah. that had never been seen before. It's really catchy music, and it, it's just kind of funny how it wasn't really necessarily meant to be the center of attention, you yeah. know. But it just kind of is one of those things that somehow, like everything else about the movie, is you know so memorable that this this is also the cantina band is also um it also stands on its own as music it's highly contrasting to everything else Mm -hmm. that you hear you hear so much like big powerful orchestra um heavy percussion you know brass and all that stuff it's nice to hear something that's quite laid back to be honest like it's very uh, it's very casual fun uh so that really just gives another dynamic to the to the movies and to the franchise really just kind mm-hmm. of that, it's just a different yeah. angle. Like Star Wars can be, you know, kind of light. It's lighthearted too. It's not t- so heavy that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I think and, that's why it's important. And the music is also just a little off kilter in just the right way. Mm-hmm. Like George Lucas' direction to John Williams for that scene was to imagine if some alien archaeologist in the future 
found a time capsule with like uh, 30s Benny Goodman swing band music <laughs> and tried to do their own right. interpretation of it. Right. But it just has it has some unusual instrumentation with the steel drums. Right. And, exactly. Uh, it has a synthesizer. It just that perfect yeah. amount of see another t- another part um, an, uh, another instance where the synthesizer you know is uh, kind of has a very specific use. It's used yeah. very specifically in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the film nerd different. term. The film nerd term is diegetic music. Ah, <laughs> diegetic means hey. it's coming from an on-screen source. <laughs> hey, hey. There you go. So I'm pretty much done. Yeah. So I'm I'm down to kind of my. Well, I, my, mine weren't really ranked. So go ahead and uh, okay. Go do yours. Well, before I do my number one, I I wanted to talk about another piece of music, uh, just because I think it's really clever, and it's from the Phantom Menace. It's Anakin's theme. Oh, and, okay. The, the Phantom like the major theme from Phantom Menace is Duel of the Fates. That's the big one that everyone remembers. But you also have Anakin's theme. The thing that does it's really clever is it's a unique theme, but it includes elements of the Imperial March that kind of show how Anakin will evolve into Darth Vader. Right. And there's one point like some the, foreshadowing. Yeah, the theme itself is major, but there's a point in the middle of the piece where the melody kind of descends and then it goes dun 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 dun. And it's that little quote right. from the Imperial March. And at the very end, it's it's been like a pretty bright, innocent theme throughout. But in the last like 30 seconds of the piece, it just gets very slow and very ominous. Right. Dun, 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 dun. And it's just a, it's a brilliant way to musically exactly. illustrate how Anakin will one day become Darth Vader. It grabs your ear too. That that one moment where it just gets minor. Right. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's, isn't that interesting too, how just like there's like one moment in a song like how however great the song is there's always one even in your like your fate whatever your favorite song is there's there's that one moment that really grabs you even though the, there's technically each song has like a hook of some kind whether it be melodic or rhythmic or something like that um the, everyone seems to like i have there's like certain moments in songs where i'm like it's just like two like milliseconds of something that happens that yeah like you just you can't wait to hear that you always seem to hear it right just waiting and, for that part in the song yeah uh, well, I can go on to my number one pick now. All right, drum roll. And, well, I'm actually kind of cheating for my number one pick, but I think it's justified because for a previous podcast, uh, Zach picked the entire Aladdin soundtrack as one of his picks <laughs> for the top Disney songs. See, he is a fan. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> so that so my number one pick is the entire final half hour of the Empire Strikes Back soundtrack. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So this is the music all, <laughs> all the way from from the carbon freezing scene all the way to the end of the movie. Oh, and yeah, okay. Like this is one of those instances what we talked about how Force Awakens the music is different for Force Awakens because it's a different kind of movie. And uh-huh. I think if it's a better movie, it produces better music. And Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars movie and this climax climactic third act of the Empire Strikes Back. John Williams just delivers some of his his darkest, most epic music mm. out of across all yeah, of the soundtracks. I agree, because that's like a, a cliffhanger of a of a movie. So mm-hmm. like that's yeah, and yeah. there and as far as themes go, there are, there are a lot of little themes just in that half hour of music that are heard nowhere else. Like Boba Fett has a theme. There's oh, a little right. motif for when Luke is hanging off the bottom of Cloud City. And one of my favorite parts is actually your brother Alex pointed this out to me when we were listening to it is right after the moment when Darth Vader says, I am your father, uh, John Williams uses the tritone to illustrate just the horror and the evil of this moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
I guess uh, for for people who don't know what the tritone is, it's pro- it's it's very different. It's known for its dissonance. Yeah, uh, it, one of the most dissonant chords. Yeah, that you can find. Right, or inter- intervals specifically, because the, yeah. you can use that tritone within certain chords, like different types of chords that uh, have different tendencies of resolution and those kinds of things. But when you hit that tritone and just leave it there, it's very unsettling. So yeah, yeah. So uh, that's supposed to be a very unsettling scene, obviously. So. Yeah, and I remember hearing somewhere that actually in medieval times the tritone was banned. Right. Because it, it sounds so <laughs> yeah, awful that people right. associated it with Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, like we said, like using certain instruments to, it's like, it's one thing if you have this, you know, very solid music and it makes sense, but whatever instrument is playing it adds that much more depth to what's happening, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, and so using those intervals, tritone and that, that that kind of stuff, really, that's how it all, you put it all together and you have a great... And I guess... So that's one of my, what I'm talking about. That whole cool, maybe yeah. maybe suite of music at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Probably my favorite portion is it carries you to the end. Oh yeah, all, it, it all has the way. A, it just has a driving momentum all the way through. Probably my favorite portion though is a moment when it slows down, and that's when the Falcon's making its final escape, and uh, Luke's on the Falcon, and Vader is in his Star Destroyer, and Vader is talking to Luke telepathically. At that moment, the music, sl- it's been kind of this driving kind of string rhythm, but it slows down. Right. And then Luke goes into the cockpit and he's like, Ben, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> and the music, right. it, it just builds and builds into this like horrible realization as all of this comes crashing in upon Luke. Yeah. It seems like, natural to do that, though, too, just from mm-hmm. a uh, a musical standpoint. Like if you're just listening to this music without watching the movie, you get this sense of you know there's points where like there's points of rest there's yeah points it's this, of, this not emotional necessarily resolution beat. yeah but there's just yeah it settles you know just for a second you know just to like you catch your breath kind of yeah kind of and a thing kind of come to think of it that whole piece of music is called hyperspace and it sort of works the way uh, a ver- verse chorus bridge kind of works yeah, in, yeah like a piece of a pop song where i guess the verse or the chorus would be the dun 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 the yeah the rhythm of the strings but then the bridge would be this slow section where right. it slows down. Definitely. And then it launches right back into the theme and the Falcon Escape. So there you go. Those are those are all my top picks. Great. I, I love that. Thanks. Yeah. Do you have a top um, pick? I can't say. I guess this might mm-hmm. be my favorite. Well, because we haven't really talked about the the theme, the main theme a whole lot. I mean, because obviously it's, you know, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know how you, you just, feel about it. We've all heard it a million times. Yeah. Which is, but the thing about the main theme is... Uh, not just the theme itself, but how it carries you into the movie. And I think, although I don't really like the movie so much, I think the way it goes, the way the theme transitions to the the Revenge of the Sith in the episode three, I think that's the best use of the main theme. Yeah. Because in the first movie, I think in most of them, the main theme comes in, like it, it tapers off. You know, you after yeah. you get the title crawl. Because Revenge of the Sith is the only movie where it goes straight into an action it sequence. Go, right. And not o- not only that, not only does it go into a, an action sequence, but it's just, it goes in uh, just really yeah. aggressively. It just punches you right in the gut. Uh, it, it catches you off guard. It really catches you off guard. It does. 
That was actually one of my backup picks, was the whole uh, action suite of music from the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Right. It's, it has this uh, this dark instrumentation. It's and Yeah, neat. like we were talking about, it's like the, the low brass and uh, the, the low voices, low strings even, kind of carry this melody. Dun. You know, a lot of triplet, you know. Very militant like the Imperial March, but a little bit slower and just a little bit more... It's just kind of, it's it's drive, it's very intense. Like, even mm. though it's not quite as quick a tempo, uh, mm. it's just very intense. And I think the triplets kind of carry a lot of that, you know, because it has to be slow enough that you can get those triplets in there. You can fit those mm. in there. Because it's supposed to be a lot of fluttery stuff, kind of, uh, I almost think of it like fireworks. Like, you get that initial explosion, and then you've got, like, the little, like, all the yeah, stuff kind of flying out. Um, just a great... Um, if I had to pick something, I guess that'd be my favorite, um, just because that the use of the the main theme transitioning into the movie I think is great. Because I think the transition is as important as the theme itself. Yeah. Um, getting you into the movie because the the title crawl is the same in every movie. So uh, it's actually yeah. it's different on the soundtrack too than in the movie. Because, uh, that that is true. Yeah, yeah. I should have said in that. In the movie, it, it goes to the these two like. Dun. Yeah, these two drum hits. But in the soundtrack, that's edited out, so it launches straight into the dun, da da dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't like the prequels, that I think it's an absolute crime that we still haven't had complete versions of the prequel scores released. Oh uh, like, yeah. We have. Mm-hmm. We've had a uh, the the special edition releases with the complete original trilogy scores, but for some reason we only have the like one right. disc versions of the prequel. And scores. I think the the music, like I said, the the music yeah. is just as great. In those movies, even though, uh, even though Star Wars: The Phantom Menace was the worst, <laughs> we had thing. to slip in Mr. Plinkett sometime. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I wish it was more um, natural than, <laughs> than that. But uh, Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> I'll post. I should post a link to those. Some of those. Sure. As yeah. Well. Uh, nobody knows what the... we're talking about. Um, yeah. Tell, so tell it's about a. Plinkett. It's an internet reviewer who reviews the prequels, and his reviews are pretty much as long as the movies, but he reviews in character as a 115-year-old <laughs> serial murderer. <laughs> oh, it, who, who makes pizza rolls and... and yeah. yeah. I think it, it's a clever <laughs> twist on... Uh, like, you fan reviewers on YouTube are a dime a dozen, people yeah. complaining about movies. But the fact that it's in character... And but not just that, it's like these reviews are so accurate, and there's just yeah. so much attention to detail, and it's well actually too. it just kind of disguises itself with a lot of you know, mm. it's there's a lot of fluff fluff in there. But. Yeah. Okay. Here's the point where I say I actually enjoy the prequels. <laughs> I know, but the thing is, I enjoy Mr. Plinkett's reviews too, so I can enjoy the reviews savaging the prequels. Right. Well, I still kind of enjoy the prequels too. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars is Star Wars. I don't care who you are. Yeah. You know? Um, and we've played... I, I think a lot of my love of Star Wars just comes from the video games, to be honest. Oh, me too. Love and, the video games. And hearing that music, especially in the Clone Wars game and, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Battlefront and all those, like, you get the original music. It's kind of an interesting subtopic, actually. Like, I won't spend too long on this, but in the early days before, before the CD-ROM came out and you could actually have... A, enough file size to store the actual music uh composers would write midi scores for these games that would include their own themes like the first dark forces game and they would have original music and kind of remix john williams music 
But then right. when the CD came out and you could have the actual music, the video games started using the soundtrack in various ways. And actually, there, there's an interesting... Uh, if you just want to hear more Star Wars music, the video game Shadows of the Empire had an original soundtrack written by Joel McNeely. And it's, oh, it's right. an interesting soundtrack. Uh, he's a it, great writer, too. He's another yeah. one of my favorite writers. Parts of it are kind of like the score for a movie that never existed. So it's kind of weird listening to it. But some pieces really stand on their own, and they were used in the game well. Like Gizor's theme, that's X-I-Z-O-R, which I know you wouldn't think Gizor when you saw that. <laughs> but Gizor's theme, it's this... He's uh, this reptilian villain who presides over this galaxy-wide uh, shipping company. And his theme is just reptilian. It starts with a snake sound. Oh, yeah. And it's like it's loud rattling. and it's scary. And I think it's on par with the Imperial March, to be honest. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's kind okay. of a... If you're interested in more Star Wars music, that's a fun side soundtrack to seek out. The Shadows of the Empire soundtrack. Cool. I like that. Yeah, there's lots of great stuff coming out of like that's just the the foundation we really just talked about the foundation but there's all this other stuff that um yeah. com that like ex you can expand upon and uh, we'll see even more expansion in the new uh well, we're gonna see many more star wars scores that's for yeah. sure <laughs> now that we have pretty much one movie a year coming out yeah who wrote who wrote the music for rogue one uh michael giacchino okay mm -hmm. yeah and uh he did a great job he's done a lot of diverse kinds of work too like yeah, uh, he he did the music for Up, but he also did the music for Yeah, he's he's associated with Pixar, definitely. Yeah, Pixar and but he's also done uh JJ Abrams Star Trek movies. Star Trek. So that's probably why yeah. he was well, no, cuz uh Rogue One's not a JJ Abrams, was it? But still, he uh, but I'm sure he has a say in the it. circles they they yeah. they have their circles and stuff. Yeah, and, but just to say that he has a broad a broad range as a right. composer. Yeah, and and definitely what he did in Rogue One was um he he was fantastic about holding true. He was very traditional with John Williams and with his uh with with the orchestra, but there are some times especially early on in the movie, uh we get a lot of especially with new characters being introduced, there's different ways of approaching those those characters like just the very beginning like I can maybe the first 20 minutes are kind of the the theme again like the theme for Rogue One the main theme is close to uh -huh. the original theme but it's just different enough that it's it has its own identity yeah. really and then even as far as the underscore like certain scenes certain action sequences certain there's certain voicings certain um chords and things that he uses to create tension that I'm sure John Williams could could do he could use those those ideas but J uh or Michael Giacchino just still has a little bit of his own take on it so he really it's really it's critical as a as a composer to you know conform to what you're what you're doing whatever your project is but also to have your own own voice and I think mm. he has his own voice yeah when it comes to all of his movies and god look you know just looking at all the Pixar stuff every Pixar score sounds mm. Uh, yeah, they're all very different types of movies. Different, they're different types of movies, but he's very authentic. He also did the music for um, Doctor Strange recently. Yeah. Um, so, and that was one of the more memorable Marvel scores. And we've talked about mm. this before too. Um, how you know Marvel movies don't have necessarily the strongest music. Uh, he wrote different. Uh, he all of his themes and everything he wrote changed. He he morphed them to fit whatever the setting was, whatever the scene was, because there's. They shoot in different locations, and um, 
you know, it's the his the the score reflects that. So yeah, Michael Giacchino is definitely one of as a composer that really nobody seems to talk about. Everybody talks about the the Hans like Zimmer, Danny Elfman, yeah. and Hans Zimmer, you know. And so uh, Michael Giacchino is is a big deal <laughs> in, yeah. the, in the composing world. So. Maybe it's because he tends to blend in more with the movies he does. Probably like for for someone like Danny Elfman who has a a very distinct style that you can parody and you that it's easy right. to remember. Whereas Michael Giacchino, yeah, like I said, he blends into the movie he's doing. Man, that was uh, <laughs> that was a was fun a conversation. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Alex. Thanks for coming in and uh, talking about. See, I knew I I had met my match when I brought you in. Aha! Here, he knows <laughs> not not just. I've defeated uh, you, sir. <laughs> I'm definitely not. A, I'm not a musician like Zach is, but. Just I, that but I've your listened. perspective, though, it's yeah. nice to have your like. You do understand music, though, and as a filmmaker, you you know how that music is supposed to work, yeah, um, or how it can work. It's, there's not one right way to do things, but and what I love about the Star Wars soundtracks is how well they tell the story just by listening to them, right? Like uh, when George Lucas, one of his directions to John Williams, at least for the movies that he worked on, was to score it as if it was a silent movie, as if it was just the images right. and the music telling the story. Definitely. So that's part of what makes those scores so strong, I think. I appreciate well, Alex, I appreciate your input and um it's it's nice to have some <laughs> we're definitely gonna be doing more yeah. of this stuff again, I Let's think. Do this and again sometime. We'll be doing some Star Trek and stuff too, so I can't wait for to, to hear what you have to say about um that stuff. That I'm gonna have to do a little more research on because Star Trek is not mm. quite as familiar to me as but uh good luck with everything. You guys look forward to um deviant yeah, at Deviant Movie is our hashtag on Facebook and Instagram. Cool, and uh, web series and all, all that mm. stuff. Uh, Alex is, you know, he's got a lot. He's got a lot going. So uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll provide links too in in the uh, episode description for all this stuff. Um, also, Plinkit, all that stuff we've talked about. So um, uh, I think that's it. Alex, thanks once again for coming on, and I look forward to having you on again to. To geek out some more. This was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. All right. And moving on to my other special guest for this episode, we go way back, one of my best friends, um, all the way back since we were nine years old. Um, And he, this is my first out of state guest, ladies and gentlemen. This is my first uh, guest that's visiting. From from another place, and I'm so happy to have him here. He used to live here, but uh, not anymore, yeah, and uh, it bums me out. But <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, this is my friend Tim Valentine. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> we just saw Star Wars, so we're gonna talk about that. Uh, spoiler alert uh, coming up here in a f- uh, pretty soon. But uh, big time spoiler alert. <laughs> 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 we're gonna basically talk about everything. It's just gonna be. Not really music at this point. I think uh, we're just going to, since uh, you're here, we already Although talked. The, the music was pretty variant from most Star Wars films. Yeah. If you want to talk about it, we can. Um, but yeah, so Tim, Tim's from Texas, or Tim, Tim's visiting me from Texas. Oh, you were from Texas originally, though. Yeah. So yeah, you've been back and forth. So um, yeah, it's good to have it's good to have Tim here for a little bit. He's just visiting and hanging out for New Year's Eve and all that stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, Tim's in welding. We've gone. We used to be in band and stuff together, but uh, oh yeah, yeah. But Still now got we're the trumpet in the closet. Yep. <laughs> um, we've obviously gone some different directions. Tim's working for Caterpillar right now, and he's doing welding. And just figured I'd, you know, tell give you a little bit of info about him, even though he's not a musician. 
anymore. Well, I still can sing and all that stuff, but I pick up the guitar yeah. here and there. Um, yeah, it's all good. Um, gotta have music in your life somewhere, right? Even if Definitely. that's not a, not for everybody, but yeah. Even even if you're not that great at it, you gotta have something. Yeah, totally. Um, the the funniest thing about this whole podcast is like Tim had no idea that I was doing this. So like when I no. told him I'd I'd like to have him as a guest, <laughs> uh, he kind of was like, "What?" <laughs> I remember <laughs> he confused me greatly. Yeah, he's like, he he didn't know. Um, so this is probably as a big a surprise to him as it is for all of you guys out there. So, um, cool. Well, man, I'm glad you're here. So okay, at this time, spoiler alert, because we are just going to talk about Rogue One just for a little bit here, just to uh, cap off the show. And uh, so like basically. Initial reaction was that it was a great movie, right? Oh yeah, it's definitely a must see. Yeah, like, if you haven't seen it, definitely go see it. And I'm sorry for the spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> and we're good. Yeah, there's just so many great things about this movie, um, uh, music and beyond. There's just so many great things about it. And I saw it for the second time. Uh, yeah, it just you, you always get more of an appreciation for it seeing it the second time. I felt like the the beginning of the movie was pretty boring the first time I saw it, but and, and then it grasps you and just locks on. Yeah, just by the end of the that last half hour, you're just like your mind is just blown. Um, but seeing it the second time, I think even the the beginning is good. I just feel like that when you do uh, exposition for a movie and like I feel like there's a more create they could have been maybe a little bit more creative with, you know, getting that information to you, getting their information to the audience. But uh. I mean, I, that's why I'm a musician. I'm not like a film critic, although I like watching that kind of stuff on, yeah. you know, other reviewers and see what they have to say about stuff uh, like that. So, but I, th- I really think it's it's pretty great all the way around. Um, it was yeah. really great all around. It, it, like you said, it was pretty boring right at the beginning. You're sitting <laughs> you there so going, too. "Okay, yeah, hold up," and then after about halfway through. It just kind of like grabs you, and you're just you. You can't move. You have to sit there, and you have to watch it. Yeah, it just like it just seems to build and build to the very end, and just and, and yeah. then the ending is you're just like, oh, I don't have a brain no more. Everything <laughs> I thought was just backwards, <laughs> right? So, so you thought that it wasn't gonna be like uh like a basically episode three and a half kind of I. It's exactly what I was saying at the end of the film. Like, this yeah. isn't episode eight. This is episode three and a half. Yeah. There, there's <laughs> no way because it was a complete prequel to four. It's, yeah. it's insane. It's gonna be it, it's gonna be interesting having one Star Wars movie a year from here on out. I guess. <laughs> uh, I was wondering how the heck they were gonna do it. Now I guess I see how they're gonna do it. Yeah. So it's cool. It's very interesting because I was I was under the impression it's like they they're gonna make one a year. They can only have so many ideas to keep it going. Right. And then they're like, oh, we're not going to keep it going for X amount of time. No, we're going to go back and make just more prequels and information on the other yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. So Right, I, I think that's a great idea. I I'm, think they're I think they're smart about it, even though it's basically a money machine at this point. Pretty much. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so what would you say your favorite part was? Oh, jeez. There's just great action. We've we've been playing since Tim got here. We've been playing uh, uh, Rebel Strike, the old uh, and Alex, game. <laughs> right, Al- Alex Reed and I, I think touched on it maybe a little bit. How that music is so repetitive that it just all that old music just seeps in, and the music's different in this movie. It um, it, it touches with the same kind of key point notes. Yeah, it mm-hmm. has the same tone, but it's the way they 
introduced it and the way that they recorded it. Definitely, yeah. It definitely had a different off-putting it, tone. You mean the music? I feel right. like the the whole movie kind of has that. Like they they did a really good job of like doing fan service. Like you got some cameos and some characters in oh, there, yeah. but at and the same time, the it's it's its own thing. Amazing. Yeah, right. Like it looked great. Like they had a GoPro just strapped to an X-wing. <laughs> and you're just flying with them. That's true. That's true. Um, so we've been, you know, playing the video games. We really that's like that's how we've come to, you know, really appreciate and love the franchise. Uh, and I oh, think yeah. uh, just that that last half hour, just that's the kind of action you want. That's exactly what you want in a Star Wars movie. And they Definitely. really, I think they really delivered. And it's just so cool to be you know, playing the uh, games and then to just go into the movie and you're, we're like, whoa. I Especially not fully knowing what that movie has in store for you. Right. I was so excited because I was the only one in the, the group of us that saw the movie and I was the only one that, that had seen it already. So, Because um, for, for those of you who don't know Rebel Strike, you're playing episodes four through six. Right. So And like the cooperative, like we've been playing co-op and it's – uh basically taking ep- rogue squadron i think right was right. was this episode 2 or the second game it was the first for the gamecube because right. they had made a rebel strike for the n64 um but then yeah and then you had rogue squadron which is you're playing it now as a as a co-op as as two people right. th- from the the second <clears throat> video game and then rebel strike is all three movies basically rolled into one or mostly yeah. 5 and 6 yeah, mostly five and six. You start at the end of four, right? With blowing, up which is pretty cool. But so, man, all the same ships, all the same stuff is in it. And it's just so cool. Um, it just does. I the music though, it does feel like even though the music was was very good, it's just different, and you ca- it, it makes you want to hear the old stuff. It kind of does. I, that's just me. That's just but me because it's that's almost, you know nostalgia. I that's think that's almost but. because it's leading up to a prequel where that is the music you had. Right. So you kind of want to gravitate towards, well, this was how it was. So you don't want this new weird stuff being thrown in right? when that's just I, the modern age. To me, I actually think that some of the ca- some of the cameos were great, but then I think some of the cameos were really odd. Like, I really don't think C-3PO and uh, R2-D2 needed to be but, shoved into the movie. No, it was good to had, see them, they obviously. They had one but, little part, and it was just like, Really? Yeah, it's like it, of all the things like, that they could have done. It was like a small comic relief that just didn't need to be there. Yeah, right. So yeah, it was just kind of. I thought that was oddly yeah. placed, and um, but then again, I'm, I didn't make the movie. Whatever. <laughs> and, and we're we're not qualified movie critics. It's right. just our opinions. Yeah, so. it's just our opinions. That's same with the music though. It's like I am a musician, but I still whatever I say about the music in in anything is just my opinion. So right. Um, Wait, yeah. You're... It it was still good. I I still liked the music. Yeah. But it was just a different feel for what was leading up to the original music. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. It's just missing a little bit of something. You heard the, like uh, Darth Vader's the, the Imperial March yes. theme in there a little bit. Once he you know starts coming out of that I guess bath tube or whatever the heck they had. <laughs> the, the bath chamber. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it's, it. It's like is that how we take baths in the future? Standing up in a full thing of water with a gas mask, right. I guess. <laughs> everything about it was so the, that's a good point though, is actually the reveals of everything was just so awesome. And it it was cool because you know, in episode three when they leave off, you know, okay, Anakin's Darth Vader just if from watching episodes four through six, but they leave off with Anakin 
you know, pretty much sort of being assembled, but not really. Yeah, Darth Vader. becoming Darth Vader. But they don't really show just how... What he can do. What he can do and just how he really survived his burns. Right. Because you see him peeling off all the dead skin and right. plating him up, but yeah. you don't realize that that tube he's in is the only reason he's alive. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so it's the it's the holy bath tube. <laughs> yeah, God, I wish I had one, one of those. those. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, took the words right out of my mouth. And like Alex said when we were at the movie, because our previous guest, he was with us as well. He uh, he said he had never been more terrified of Darth Vader in his whole right. life. I would agree with that. Like the you really got to see. Him it, it's do pure, stuff. Yeah. Raw power of Darth Vader. And f- like a fear, like you actually, f- there's fear, like for the guys, like they're just trying to yeah. escape. And at that point, the music is like, you've got the big choir going on. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it, like, and with the theme still, Darth Vader's theme, but it's just like so big and like really nasty and just really terrifying. Almost like a horror movie, kind of. It, it pretty much was a horror movie. Yeah. At that, Especially for at all that the guys point. That died. Yeah. They just got wasted, but that's what you want to. That's what I wanted that, to see, though. For Darth Vader, that's what you Man, expect. Just like, and it just it it goes perfectly into Episode Four, I think, and it flawlessly um, actually the way they. Tied I would have been was perfect. I would have been more uh, impressed with the ending if I hadn't already seen. They already basically did it that that kind of ending with uh, Skyfall. You remember Skyfall? Yeah. For James Bond? Because they kind of brought it back to the beginning after that movie. Yep. Um, Which doesn't really match for James Bond because of so many different actors playing Bond. Right. I guess so. It's maybe not exactly the same. I mean, if they had had the like CGI, like with the CGI faces with like Leia and and Tarkin, yes. It would have, they could have pulled it off. But uh, Skyfall is, you know, when was Skyfall? Like 2012 or something like that? I can't remember what uh, it, 2013 maybe. 2013, I think. Yeah. Um, I so I would have maybe been a little bit more, I already was blown away by the ending, but I feel like, oh, yeah, like it reminded me of Skyfall at the end of that. I was like, oh, bit. yeah, that's right. They did that. It's been a long time since I saw Skyfall. Yeah. It's, and I own it. <laughs> I was actually during, while I was watching the movie, I was thinking about James Bond and kind of like the uncertain, like while Star Wars has this huge future, like a, a movie a year now, the certainty uh, of James Bond is kind of up in the air. Like, uh, yeah. what's going to happen with that franchise? So, uh, I was, I was just thinking about that during the movie. But I'm glad Star Wars is going to be around. So, oh yeah, Star Wars is apparently just never ending. Because first, very first episode four aired way back, what seven nine nineteen seventy six or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, Star Wars is forever. Yeah. <laughs> Or seventy-seven, something like that. Uh, yeah, Star Wars. I think it'll be around for a while, and I'm good with that. Especially if Disney owns it, it's it's forever, <laughs> right? It's good. It was a good. So it was a good movie, and uh, great movie. A lot of great. Yeah, and again, like just great reveals. I even liked the like when they're trying to jump to hyperspace. Like the rebels are trying to escape, they've got the plans, but then the the star destroyer just comes out and no, yep. it comes and out just of hyperspace, literally obliterates. Yeah, everything. <laughs> everything. And of course, during this whole scene, all I can think about is Rebel Strike. Yeah. Watching the frigate get <laughs> torn so to pieces, awesome. I'm like, oh, mission, yeah. mission. Your falls. your main your main objective in almost every Rebel Strike mission is to protect 
uh, or Rogue One mission for that matter is to protect the uh, protect the, the medical frigate. The medical frigate and the transport Which is that weird ships. shape. It's that weird one weird, really well they're all weird shapes shaped uh, ships. You got transports <laughs> that look like pills and then you got the medical <laughs> frigate which <laughs> What does uh, that even look like? The it's medical hard. frigate is It's like, like two this, separate pieces kind of with like a long... Two uh, pods with a long twig between it. That, yeah. That's the only way I can really describe and it. And you got to protect that thing. And it's just so fun to like watch them and really just to see the, the, rebel, the rebel fleet and like all its glory, you know, right. fighting the Empire. It's just so cool. But, all the... And they, all the ships seem like are useful. Like we always... We, we hate being like the Y wing because the in in the video games because the Y wing is uh, it's purely a bomber and that's all it's used it's, for. It's it's really slow moving, but in the movie it's really great. It's like you see some bombs and then they right. disable the star destroyer uh, with the ion guns and it's just like that's exactly what you do in the game. It's, it's well, so awesome. Not as cool as what they did it. Yeah, they I yeah I guess it was a little bit. It was way cooler the way yeah. they did it in the movie. <laughs> it was way cooler. Let's be honest. <laughs> Um, it literally shut down the whole Star Destroyer, and the Star Destroyer just goes, yeah. instead of just, oh, we're going to disable these three individual spots and then blow it up from the bridge. No. That, yeah. Yeah. No. And another thing about that movie is I, when I go into it, you know, thinking it's, okay, episode eight, we're continuing. I went through three quarters of this movie thinking that that's what it was. Oh, right. And I was really confused. You didn't like, realize okay, it. Okay, hold on. Is this like some size? Yeah, Kevin Kevin asked me uh, during the movie, he asked me if it was between three and four, and I and yeah. I was like, yeah. And and then it wasn't until really that they were on the Razor ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you see Leia, and then I'm like. Then it hits, right. Oh, yeah, dang. Like, it hits you all at once, really. It it's really like, does. Oh, wow. Because you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, like, yeah, this this might be a prequel, but at the same time, you're like, yeah. but it can't be. Or is it just like maybe an alternate story? Like it could have happened. Right. Like, who knows? Yeah. And so um, it, it really, really. I think it's just going to be all these movies in between like the regular episode 7, 8, 9 of Star Wars. I think there's going to just be backstories to everything else. So That's the only way they're going to be able to keep it every year. I'm I'm fine with that, I guess. I yeah. mean, it's like Marvel, we see several Marvel movies a year, so I mean, why not? <laughs> you know. Yeah, upcoming Logan. <laughs> it is yeah, it is a little it is a little bit sad that, you know, it's just like total mass marketing and it's just like they're all money machines now. Um like movies have sort of moved away from the art. A little you bit. know. They it's, keep it, but at the same time they don't. Like there's very artistic things happening, especially with you know CGI. We saw it in this movie. Um, uh, it's you just, almost couldn't tell that it was CGI. That's right, how good on it was. the faces, yeah. But I mean, like that's become second nature to us. Like we're so used to seeing that kind of crazy special effects and all that stuff that we're really craving story and like something meaningful. You know, I I kind of teared up a little bit at a couple of points in the movie because, I mean, that's just kind of nostalgia because it was. You you can't recapture the magic of the original movies, no. but you can at least you know, sort of keep that alive. Like yeah, keep that tradition going. Um, it just seems like so many movies nowadays are just like, it's like come on, you know. Yeah. But this is this was a really good I think movie to put in between three and four, and that's yeah. very hard to very hard to do without pissing a lot of people off. So, and, and the great thing is, is it was totally different from the first three episodes. That, right. <laughs> like episodes one, two, and three, which we all know were yeah. kind of disappointing. Yeah, and you so, still need to see the rest of the uh, Plinkett reviews of those. Oh, he, Tim God. Tim watched, uh, when he first got back to Colorado, we, 
we watched the uh, Phantom Menace Plinket review. So, uh, again, I'll put links in the description for all that stuff. But, uh, oh. Def- oh. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely need to uh, – you need to watch that if you haven't. So, And Tim's got to watch the rest of them too. So <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be a long, painful night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to do them tonight, are we? Okay. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> I'm, I'm down for it. Um. Well, we better get started then. We better get off of here and uh, get I to it. So. so, okay. Well, Tim, thanks for uh, thanks for coming and visiting me in Colorado, and thanks for being on the show. No problem. Um, it's good to see you, and uh, I hopefully hopefully sooner than later we'll have you back on to hey, talk about any, some more stuff. I will hopefully be here sooner than later. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna wait another three years. That's right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and thank and, you for having me on the show. Yeah, you bet. All right, guys, that'll do it for another episode of The Soundtrack. I'm Zach Demas. I'm your host. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you had as much fun listening uh, to this episode as I had making this episode. This was great. I got schooled by Alex in uh, all things Star Wars and Star Wars music, and it was great to have my friend Tim on as well. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, please subscribe via iTunes. Um, and also, I'm on TuneIn now. You can listen to my podcast on uh, TuneIn.com. You can go there and search for my uh, f- uh, search for this show. Uh, and also, become a supporter on Patreon. I've got great rewards for uh, anyone who uh, would like to um, to toss a few bucks my way. And uh, I would really appreciate the support so I can keep making great episodes like this and, and make even better episodes. And the last thing I just want to say is Happy New Year. Uh, I hope you have a Happy New Year, and I hope the next year brings you a lot of uh, great things. I can't wait to start off the uh, 2017 campaign of this podcast with, uh, um, um, uh, in the midst of all the Star Wars stuff that was happening this month, uh, uh, in the month of December, uh, another cool thing happened. A new uh, Nintendo released uh, a little thing called uh, Super Mario Run. And so I think on my first episode of 2017, I figured it'd be a great way to kick off uh, the, the new year with, and I haven't been, I haven't done a lot of video game stuff yet, so really hardly any. So I'm going to talk about the music. I'm going to talk about the music of uh, probably the most iconic uh, character and series uh, that Nintendo has, as Super Mario. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, my favorite music from that, I think, and uh, I'll have a surprise special guest, and uh, I, I really can't wait. It's, I think uh, 2017 will be off to a great start. So everyone have a happy new year. And actually, one last thing I just want to say. Uh, I just want to uh, say may the force be with you to Carrie Fisher. Um, she passed away before I was able to finish re- uh, recording this podcast. So I just wanted to uh, offer my condolences to uh, family and friends of, of Carrie Fisher and all of you. I know there's a lot of people that were really uh, touched by um, her and, and they had a great impact on her or she had a great impact on uh, a lot of you out there. So uh, I just want to say, uh, Carrie Fisher, may the force be with you. We're thinking about you. And uh, all right, uh, take care, everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs>